0: Your host for La Crosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to La Crosse Talk PM. In studio with me, like he is every Thursday, Viterbo Political Science Professor Keith Knutson. So if you have questions, hi Keith, how's it going? Hello, <laughs> It's always Rick. funny to like say hi again, even though you've been here for like 15 minutes and we've already, you know, discussed everything there is to discuss. Well, uh, We've from, got
1: some stuff to yet to get
0: through here. From, from the Badgers to uh, Wisconsin politics to the national politics. Uh, but if you want to get in here, the Sugarloaf Ford Talking Text Line six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. Feel free to send Keith your questions or call in. If you want to? Usually, it's do you want to argue with Keith about something? But when when we get to uh, certain topics, but uh, where do you want to start? The Badgers are two and a half games behind Maryland. Maryland blew it last night, or Minnesota blew it last night. I was giving you the update. Uh, Badgers, are we, do we hope that they can win the Big Ten? Or we just w- at least they're probably going to make the NCAA tournament now with this run they've that, had. That
1: seems pretty clear. They have a big game tonight at Michigan. That'll be a tough one for yeah, the Badgers. Yeah,
0: Michigan 19th, ranked 19th. Nobody wins on the road in the Big Ten hardly. I think the winning percentage is like 10% or something. Wisconsin has twice. Yeah, so... That'll be interesting. Look for that. I think it's on ESPN two tonight. If you want to watch, uh, Bucks play on tomorrow. Excited for that. In one week, the Bucks play the Lakers. That's what I'm excited for on next week Friday. Um, all right. So
1: maybe we begin, Rick, with uh, our condolences to the families in Milwaukee uh, with the shooting. Um, uh, I've listened to both uh, uh, Governor Evers and uh, Mayor. Um, uh, oh gosh. I know the mayor of Milwaukee, Barrett? Tom Barrett. Thank you. Wow, it's um, amazing that I remember that. And you yeah. thank, thanks for uh, covering for me. Um, and uh, I, I felt that they've expressed uh, the sorrow that comes to our state with, um, I think uh, we've had uh, maybe as many as 11 uh, mass shootings in the last decade or something in, in that range. Yeah, I kind of broke it down a little bit. I had a uh, Milwaukee Journal
0: Sentinel article with. You know, since two thousand four, I think they went back, and I, yeah, I don't remember the number exactly, but seven was the most. So now they I think maybe were eight killed in yesterday at that, that uh, Sikh
1: temple shooting.
0: And a I think few years ago. no, I think it was seven. I okay. think I read that yesterday, and then um, I guess today they're saying six people were killed,
1: including the the the, the shooter
0: who killed himself. And uh, apparently, he's a fifteen year electrician. So yeah, we spent most of the day talking that you know in. And I kind of talked about this a little bit. Maybe get your thoughts on this. Um, you know, another mass shooting, we're going to go thoughts and prayers, and then we're going to go, you know, one side of the aisle is going to say gun legislation. The other side of the aisle is going to say it's not the guns, it's the people. Well, the I, I applaud both health. the
1: governor and the mayor um, in expressing uh, a grief uh, for the city and the state uh, on behalf of these victims, and no discussion yet about um, uh, some political solution to problems like this and our, our libertarian friend who calls in quite a bit um, uh, called me on uh, uh, my uh, gun control advocacy and i think in in the uh, uh, wake of the uh, the deaths uh, we express our sympathy with the families of the victims and uh, let this rest but uh, i think it's important that we do express that sympathy for these these families okay so we we don't want to talk we we'll move well, on we don't want to talk gun control no, okay just making sure,
0: this is the we're doing the pre pre show meeting right here on the air before the news. Um, all right, so there's a big uh, you know nationally Super Tuesday, right? That's coming up. That's- uh, well,
1: before Super Tuesday, there's a primary in South Carolina Saturday. Yep, uh, that that's an important one. Um, Joe Biden has uh, uh, proclaimed that he's going to do well. Uh, a public opinion poll just came out uh, yesterday. I was reading that uh, Biden is up. 20 points on Bernie Sanders in that public opinion poll. Uh, Biden needs to do well on Saturday, uh, show his uh, bona fides with the African-American voters. Uh, and then Super Tuesday, uh, uh, that's a big day. And they're, um, I trust you're hoping to um, vote in your state's primary election, Rick. Well... If I can get over there, it's seven miles out of the way. You better get on this one and participate. (laughs) Well, I could have
0: voted early, too. You could have done that. I I don't do that, but I I like to uh, cram right in the voting booth with my
1: phone. Minnesota had caucuses four years ago and a big turnout. um, And several months after the caucuses that were... Uh, not quite like Iowa, but of course, Minnesota wasn't under the pressure of Iowa being the first in the nation. Minnesota's now gone to a, a, a primary election.
0: Yeah, they, uh, they kind of switched it. Um, I was reading an article, too, that we need to uh, get rid of the way we vote like this and just do rank choice, a rank choice voting system. And this this would take care of the stupid debates that we have that are, that seems not very helpful when we're trying to weed out the candidates. And, and you know, like it would put less pressure on, gee, who's instead of ooh, who's the most electable when it comes to beating Trump as opposed to you know what this is who i want to be my president bernie sanders elizabeth warren and then you know mike bloomberg whatever that i i want to rank them and not worry about like ooh if i pick bernie is it going to hurt me
1: i think the rank ordering is a, a, a an effective substitute for uh, the caucuses it uh, it doesn't provide the two-hour engagement, and and of course that's one reason uh, caucus participation is so low. Um, Primary voting, uh, rank ordered, uh, would uh, allow voters to, of course, rank order these candidates. In the caucuses, if uh, a candidate doesn't get a threshold, uh, in the local caucus, then they're persuaded to go to another candidate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's one of the time-consuming aspects of a caucus. It's also kind of a party meeting. Um, the rank-ordering primary, uh, in my estimation, is a very suitable uh, substitute for the, uh, the the caucuses, which provide that uh, switching and convincing. Uh, and uh, some states have implemented rank-order voting. And uh, it uh, seems to be a trend, and might be a way that many states would go. Um,
0: caucuses are kind of going away, too, right? Like a lot. I, like I even think... Minnesota's gotten rid of it, and and I mean Iowa, they want to. You, you know how many how many states do even do caucuses anymore? It can't be that many.
1: Well, Nevada had a modified caucus a week ago. Um, there was voting, early voting leading up to the caucus. Um, but I, I, I do think that the primary elections are a way to allow the public to participate in this, not just presidential selection process, but um, for U.S. senators and uh, congressional races, uh, state legislative races, for governor, uh, governor's races. Primaries allow pub- the public, and you don't necessarily need to be a party member to vote in a primary. Uh, it gives the public uh, a, a voice in who will be the general election. Uh, candidates they select. Well, that's a that's a that's a public. funny
0: concept too because I'm thinking like, okay, Trump's not even on the. There's not even a contender on the ballot against Trump in Minnesota. I think they eliminated that. So all the Republicans should go and vote for the worst Democrat that they want in the
1: in, in Tuesday's election. Some states have what's called closed primaries. I don't know what Minnesota has done, oh, but I, uh, maybe you have to register for the party oh, to vote. Okay. Uh, that would dissuade. Uh, Democrats or Republicans switching parties, but but some states have open primaries, and that has happened in the past. Or Donald Trump Jr. should just
0: run as a Democrat, and then we'll eliminate all those those nasty liberal Democrats. Well,
1: one does wonder how uh, well received Donald Trump Jr. would be in the Democratic Party, Rick. <laughs> one does wonder, but and then all the Republicans can go vote for him. All right, I'm just I'm just
0: throwing weird conspiracies out. We're going to hit news. We'll be back in just a minute with Keith Knutson from Viterbo on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to the Cross Talk PM. Keith Knutsen, Viterbo political scientist, political science professor, I guess political scientist too. That always sounds funny to think to say that. I was and then I'm like, "No, wait, I can say it like that. That's how we uh, that's how we say it." Uh, in studio with me. And if you want to get in here, Stephen call me back now. 608-785-7914 the Sugarloaf Ford talking text line. Uh, just talking a little bit about the uh, you know, Super Tuesday's coming up. South Carolina's voting this weekend. Uh, for the Democratic nominee for president, and um, yeah, so you know Minnesota is among among those states coming up next week. Will we see a lot of? Will we see candidates drop off after Tuesday? Is that typically how this would work? That's or is the, it weird that there's so many candidates, and this has only happened the last two elections? I just, I guess, I don't have a hit, uh, like a, a record history, recorded history in my head of are there a lot of nominate nominees for president. A
1: lot lot of candidates to become the nominee. Um, That's right. 2012, in the Republican uh, primary process, there were uh, uh, maybe 10 uh, candidates. And that was really the first uh, nominating process where there was this large number. 2016, um, uh, uh, of course, uh, uh, quite a few in the Republican. primary, only three in the Democratic uh, process. Uh, Martin O'Malley, the former governor of Maryland, uh, kind of a footnote to history now, uh, was the third between Bernie and uh, Hillary. Uh, And then this year in the Democratic process, as many as 20. Uh, We've had uh, recently only seven people on the debate stage. Mm -hmm. And I would expect that out of uh, Super Tuesday, uh, there will be some candidates dropping out. Uh, it, the, the, they're going to have to start uh, getting something more than 10%. The threshold uh, of uh, the percentage of votes is 15% to get any uh, delegates to the National Convention. So Elizabeth Warren, who was up in the polls six months ago, uh, hasn't really made any progress in getting uh, delegates to the convention, of course, to be held here in Wisconsin in Milwaukee this summer. Uh, Pete Buttigieg has won some delegates, Amy Klobuchar, no. So these, uh, and of course, Bloomberg hasn't even been on the uh, the ballot yet. Uh, so he's banking on doing well Super Tuesday. Yeah, he's all, he's all in on Tuesday, huh? He's had two debates and hasn't done so well in the debates. Yeah. He's been dipping in the polls a little bit that I've been following. So if Bloomberg doesn't uh, produce on Super Tuesday, one wonders how long he can hang in there. He's got plenty of money. Well, I always wonder about that, too, because every
0: time I see a political ad or start to hear one in a podcast I'm listening to, or if it's on Facebook, you know, I see sponsored and I zip right by it. I don't even look at it because I'm like, oh, brainwashed. It doesn't matter who it is, Bernie, Bloomberg, Trump. I'm just like, I'm going to skip that because it's just it's an ad and I don't want to know. I don't want to hear it. And if it's uh, I don't watch a lot of TV, so I'm not seeing a lot of commercials. And uh, when I'm in here, I I pot, pot down the 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 radio when I'm in here when the commercials so come that's
1: on. that's the benefit of the debates uh, the viewers listeners uh, can uh, have information from the candidates unfiltered yes uh, not engineered by their campaigns and it does show us how they uh, do well of course on a debate stage but how how do they uh, do uh, in thinking on their feet yeah Pete Buttigieg uh, has been judged <laughs> by many commentators to be one of the Quickest thinkers on his feet. Yeah,
0: he's he's witty. He's well, uh you know, versed in that. I th- and I think that's a little unfair too. Like, oh, how well can you think on your feet in front of you know? Like, do presidents really need to, you know, have a snap judgment like that all the time? Maybe once in a while, but usually the the thought process, you know, they're going to have some time to think about this stuff, and they're going to have other people to, you know. So the debates is kind of silly to me. Well,
1: after, uh, well, um, of and course, and the questions. Oh, Um, uh, Traditionally, presidents have had a lot of news conferences. We could get back after we see what our caller is up to. President Trump had a news conference last night on the um, coronavirus. Yeah, they had the vacuum of the cobwebs out of that room right before he went in there, I heard. Uh, (laughs) All
0: right, Eric from Sparta is calling in. Eric, uh, you're on with Keith Knutson. What do you you got, Eric?
2: I'm kind of wondering if uh, Bernie Sanders burrowed his way through uh, all these uh, caucuses and stuff. He legitimately, legitimately gets the nomination. Do you think the Democrat Party will try to stop him from running? Because I'm sure if he does get the nomination, the, they're going to increase the majorities in the Senate and they're going to take the House back, so he can't pass all his giveaway uh, stuff to all your all your college kids and stuff. Because it just, as my old man used to say, it just ate in the books. Thanks.
1: Eric, uh, you have to remember those college kids are uh, uh, deserving of uh, perhaps some help as well. Um, but... Uh, we're going to see a coup, essentially, and at, a, at, a Democratic well, Party it, coup. It, it was comforting uh, for Eric to uh, intimate that Bernie Sanders would defeat uh, President Trump in the fall. So uh, we'll, we'll take the benefit of that one. Um, at, at, in the last debate, uh, all the candidates were asked... Will you respect the nominating rules? And uh, six out of seven raised their hands and said, yes, Bernie did not. And uh, uh, Elizabeth Well, the rules in in regards to the popular
0: vote versus the delegates, Uh, right? The
1: delegate system. No. uh, How many uh, many delegates do you have to get to win the nomination? Um, And uh, Bernie's position is if he comes in with a, a plurality that is more convention delegates than any of the rest of the candidates, but he does not have a majority. Yeah, His position was, I should get the nomination. Of course, that would be
0: all but, our positions,
1: right, when we're leading this, well, this race. Well, I, I, I would hope not, because Bernie himself, or at least his representatives, had a chance to uh, construct the rules after the last uh, election in 2016, when uh, Sanders and his supporters complained about a a stacked deck against them. This time around, uh, Sanders' representatives established the rules. And so the rules of the Democratic Party are, in this first uh, convention round of delegates, you have to get a majority. And if Bernie has a plurality, but not a majority, his position would seem to be I should still be the nominee. What what happens then next? What happens? Then there did- are these superdelegates the super who uh, uh, there're 500 okay. of them now that would uh, get to uh, voice okay. ha- have a voice in in this outcome.
0: Did the superdelegates, if I remember right, did they have a say in how this went down or did Hillary have enough before before they they got involved last time?
1: H- Hillary certainly had more delegates than Bernie. Bernie won about 45% uh, last time around. Uh, the superdelegates certainly helped Hillary kind of shut the door on that, Sh- yeah, that okay. discussion. They hit their free throws at the end. They they did, just like Wisconsin against Purdue a week ago, <laughs> Rick. All right,
0: 608 785 7914, the Sugarloaf Ford Talk at Line if you want
1: to get in here. But, uh, Rick, I do think it was interesting that, that Eric seemed to be a little trepidatious about the general election in the fall, uh, presenting the idea that maybe President Trump would lose to Bernie Sanders, but that would allow the Republicans, then, to retain their majority in the Senate and regain a majority in the House of Representatives. Um, I think it's important to remember that the Democratic National uh, – the Congressional Campaign Committee – Uh, in the House of Representatives, they have been raising quite a bit of money and they're uh, pretty well uh, positioned to support the pickup of seats in Republican districts carried by Trump in 2016. So um, I do wonder about Eric's supposition that the Republicans would be in a position to win back Control of the House. I think that's a, a tall order for the Republicans, even with about twenty five gerrymandered districts across the country favoring the Republicans. You did it. You poking the bear, and now he's calling back.
2: All right, Eric, go ahead. I have no doubts about. Uh, uh, I do wonder Bernie uh, getting uh, getting uh, winning the president. I Trump will promise him. But the, the point point I was making is this: I wasn't saying I thought he was going to win. I thought he'll if he can beat the Democrats to the nomination, then Trump will toss them, because nobody's going to give these these, uh, college kids free everything, free this, free that, free everything. It's not
1: in the books. Thanks. Well, keep in mind, Eric, President Trump promised to get rid of Obamacare his first day in office, and we are still living with the Affordable Care Act. Uh, The president has done everything he can to undermine uh, the delivery of health insurance to people who need it. Um, So, whatever Sanders is promising, uh, it would have to go through the Congress of the United States. And I would say even with a democratically controlled Congress, Bernie Sanders would have a tough time getting Medicare for All, um, uh, tuition at state universities for um, all of our our, uh, university attendees. These campaign promises, um, we can do a scorecard on who delivers on their promises. Um, And I think we should then go back to President Obama in his first two years. He delivered on his promise for um, uh, health insurance reform and got some banking regulation, uh, uh, almost a dozen other major pieces of legislation. Uh, So President Obama did come through in his first two years. Unfortunately, uh, from my perspective, uh, the Tea Party uh, won a... uh, Carried the day for the Republicans in the 2010 midterm elections, and the Republicans won control of the House, and uh, put the kibosh on any further really positive, uh, from my perspective, legislative developments. All
0: right, we're gonna hit Scott's comment. The news. I'm gonna yell at Keith about trouncing Bernie here, Eric, and you guys are ganging up on Bernie. Leave him alone. All right, we're we'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. Keith Knutson, Turbo Political Science Professor, in studio with me. You got questions. We got a couple of texts to get to. you. Uh, if you want to call, 608-785-7914, the Sugarloaf 4 talking text line. Um, I don't know why this is a text, but uh, who is it? Tom texted in, how much has the national debt increased in the previous three and a half years? A fair question, he says. I don't know why he's, I don't care if it's fair or unfair, or, but it, for some reason, he's asking about the national debt. Um, do we care about national debt anymore? Do we care that we don't care
1: anymore, right? Well, I think we should. Um, we um, Democrats are beginning to say that uh, the discussion of the national debt uh, gets to be stacked against them. Uh, Republicans uh, critique uh, Democratic politicians on the national debt. Uh, when Republicans win office, such as under President Trump... The national debt has increased by $3 trillion. That is a trillion dollars a year. Almost half of that uh, engineered by uh, the tax cut that uh, the president uh, advocated. Didn't really campaign on. Um, President Trump campaigned on uh, preserving uh, welfare entitlement benefits that uh, many Republicans, uh, of course, are... Uh, important recipients of. so uh, It's
0: a big surprise that the super rich president would cut taxes on himself. I mean, the big surprise there.
1: um, It's it's comical. uh, But we're going to go with uh, it. During the break, you were talking about your state, Minnesota, our state, Wisconsin. We now have budget surpluses. What are we going to do with that money? Do we return it to the taxpayers? I bet uh, Eric might call back in. It would be fun to talk with you once again, Eric, Um, uh, looking for that. But uh, the general public might be better off if we invest that money into social programs, support uh, a child care, uh, actually uh, uh, get health insurance to people who don't have it in our state. Sometimes we can improve our lives collectively as opposed to engaging in the individual, lowering of taxes, generally uh, the high income Uh, Taxpayers, the the earners, are going to get the tax breaks. And uh, one of the things that's driving the kind of uh, uh, politics of extremism today, uh, uh, that is, President Trump and Bernie Sanders, people are upset that uh, their lives are not being improved. How are their lives going to be improved? My position would be that uh, we need some... Uh, better government programs that allow us to improve ourselves collectively.
0: Yeah, because then the you know those people that are that much that hard up aren't going to be so desperate to try to get by. I was wa- I walked into the store the other day? I had to return something, and they have a clerk there to you know check your to put a little sticker on it to make sure that you walked in with the item. And and she like apologized to me, and she's like, "Sorry, I have to do this." I think she had to scan it too, like with the the gun, you know, just to what for whatever reason. She's like. Sorry I have to do this, you know, we've had a lot of you know thefts, you know, recently or in the, you know, however long ago and she's like we're just making sure that when you bring something in that it's not something that that's stolen or you know when you walk out if you walk out with it. And I, and she's just and I'm like, hey, you don't have to apologize. I go, you know, people are pretty hard up right now. I think a lot of that's happening because, you know, people are getting desperate and they're they're having to uh, you know, go go, go after this this way. They have to steal stuff or you know, sink to that level is what I was trying to spit out there. But, um, and she was like, oh, do you think, you think that's why? And I was
1: like, oh well, yeah, kind of. I mean, there's yeah. other reasons, but yeah, a lot of people are hard up. Well, uh, uh, to Eric's issue on college students shouldn't be getting, uh, uh tuition breaks. Uh, I was reading a column today, an article about uh, re- people who are retiring and still trying to pay off their student debts, um, their loans. And, uh, uh, we've got some uh, structural issues in our society which need to be addressed. And so far, under three years of President Trump, uh, I would say we've not addressed these structural issues.
0: Yeah, I have a friend that's a dentist, and he's in gigantic debt because of dental school. So hundreds of thousands of dollars. And are like, well, you know, when I argue about Medicare for all, he's like, well, I'm this far in debt. like, And then, you know, the... The, the health insurance, the way it is, you know, some of the some of the Medicare or whatever the government when when the government funds, you know, some people's health care, they don't pay like dentists or doctors enough. The, the like differences. Right. So the dentists don't always want to take the people on these public benefits because and I'm like, well, then that's we have to address that. Like we have to figure that out. And or or maybe you're you're so far in debt that you need more money to charge for dental school or whatever. So, oh, where where would that problem be solved? A college tuition. We need to think about that. Because how much did college cost when you went to college? Probably not not a ton, huh? Not, not
1: nearly what it is today, not 20, Rick. Not 20000 a year? Of course, I'm pretty
0: old, Rick. <laughs> okay. Did they even have college? Uh, all right, we're going to go to the phones. I think Joe is calling in. Joe, you're on LaCrosse Talk PM with Viter- uh, Viterbo's Keith Knutson. Go ahead, man.
3: Hey, guys. Hey. Um, so my question is... Where were both parties when the predatory uh, lenders were out giving these school loans out for 10 percent or 20 percent, whatever interest? Where were both parties when the federal government was relaxing rules on prescriptions for opioids? Where were all the both of these parties when all this was going on? You know, you can look at it and say the government started a war in Afghanistan And then needed a place for all those poppies to go. So they relaxed the regulations on us and got everybody addicted on opioids in the United States to have a place for that crop to go. Same thing with this predatory lending. So where were all these parties when now the Democrats want everybody to clean the mess up? Where were they when they were allowing all these predatory loans, predatory opioid prescriptions, relaxing regulations on drug manufacturers? Where were they when all that was going on, but now they want all of us to clean it up?
1: I think on the opioid issue, uh, we could say that uh, the government in general, whoever was in charge of it, uh, uh, didn't uh, address this oncoming crisis. On the predatory lending, uh, in Obama's first two years, there was legislation that addressed uh, some of these issues, not all of them, of course. And uh, who administered that? Oh, Elizabeth Warren. Um, And so... In Obama's first two years, uh, that issue that you brought up, Caller, that was indeed addressed. That is, on, on predatory lending.
3: Well, I just I don't understand why we go so far the wrong way, and then we turn around and we try to point at one party's problem, and it's up to the other party then to to come along and fix this. Yeah. Why, why don't they both work together through these situations so we don't find ourselves relaxing opioid uh, rules and regulations. We don't find giving loans to people at 10% who are never going to pay it back. I mean, why don't they work together on the strategy instead of just trying to blame one another at the end of
1: Well, we have gotten into this partisan divide that's pretty tough to work on. The Democrats were able to get some legislation done uh, in 2009 and ten because... They controlled the House of Representatives. Um, Before Ted Kennedy died, they had 60 seats in the Senate so they could block filibusters. And, of course, Obama, Democratic president. A lot of stuff got done. Um, After 2010, uh, positive legislation, in my estimation, was uh, uh, put on hold. Of course, Mitch McConnell in the U.S. Senate said it's his primary job to keep Obama to be a one-term president. So we can go down the blame game of... uh, who is responsible for the the degeneration but we can look at uh, which party is in control of the government and what are they getting done um, and uh, uh, I guess I've made my case caller that uh, uh, under the uh, Democrats dominating the government uh, my view is there was some very positive legislation uh, as a result
3: well it just feels like it feels like they get their money so they're happy to do what they need to do and then it's left to the taxpayer to clean it up five, six, seven years down the road. And all they do is want to point fingers both sides.
1: So Um, I I I
3: just don't understand where this game is going to go.
1: Well, uh, you know, you have to look at these political parties and try to figure out which one you think is going to represent your interest and provide uh, the most positive legislation for the issues you want to address.
3: Well, I feel like you can't even get to that point. It's like, Or we vote for the person who's going to do the least amount of damage compared to what they say and what they've done in the past. You know, it's like we're almost playing defense, so we Mm -hmm. have a smaller mess to clean up versus a strong message for America to move Mm -hmm. forward. It's almost like all we do is we we point fingers and then we try to clean it up and we move on to the next finger-pointing game while they keep on making terrible decisions for our country, both sides in Congress.
1: Well, I kind of like uh, Obama's um, kind of catchphrase for the people he who worked around him. Um, it's uh, a little bit crude, but uh, uh, I've read that Obama would tell a lot of the people in the White House, "Let's just not do stupid shit." Again, I'm I'm an advocate of uh, Obama's presidency and uh, what was done uh, in those first two years. Once. Uh, once we got divided government, uh, the progress that was available uh, was uh, blocked. I would say. Thanks, thanks for the call, Joe. Uh, I had Thank to dump, you, Joe. I had to
0: dump you. You can't say that on the radio. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. So if it sounded funny, it's because uh, Keith's throwing out four-letter words in here. Man, you got to teach him a lesson. All right. Uh, Trouble. Tom's calling in. Tom, you're on the air with Keith. Go ahead, man.
4: Okay. So my question is. Uh, you you kind of hinted, uh, even more than that, that um, people with college debt should get some help. Here, here's my take on that. If uh, they get the education, they should have to pay for it, not the general taxpayer or anybody else. They should pay for their own. And if they don't, then is that fair really in society? We have the longest-running republic in world history, because of the system that is set up by our Constitution. Uh, Several places in our Constitution, it doesn't allow the government to take something from somebody and give it to somebody else. So my my bottom-line question for you is, why do you think that the uh, people should have to pay for someone else's education?
1: So, the government of the United States has provided uh, educational aid, at least since World War II, uh, one of the uh, uh, most productive government policies uh, in United States history, uh, with the exception of, uh, this is not Social Security, probably the most productive, uh, the GI Bill of Rights after World War II, where uh, veterans who uh, got to... Uh, assistance from the government, uh, money from the government, to go to to go to university, to go to college. As a matter of fact, after yeah. I after I got out of the navy, uh, the GI Bill uh, helped helped me go to college. So we know from that experience that government assistance to get an education can lead to a very positive uh, outcome. Uh, the roaring economy that resulted after World War II, not exclusively because of the GI Bill, but uh, a very important contributing factor. So if we help educate our fellow citizens uh, to become more productive, uh, in the long run, that should uh, uh, help uh, everyone involved in terms of growing our collective wealth. that That's where I'm coming from, caller.
4: Fair enough. Now, what I'll suggest is that we do offer and have forever uh, free education, kindergarten through high school. Now, you say GI Bill. First of all, you, you cannot cl- include the GI Bill in there. That is something that these people earned, and it is not something that's being extorted from the taxpayer. That's something that's being earned for a service that they provided. So, um, I and I, I agree, education is wonderful, but it, there is no way that in a stable society that we should give away free education to people for after college, and if they incur the debt, they should pay the debt.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things we know, and I'm a person who um, has been working in higher education now for 30 years, so uh, uh, caller, you'll recognize I'm uh, perhaps part of the problem, and I need need to be upfront on that. The cost of education has gone up, but uh, uh, and so the cost of uh, tuition has increased. Um, faster than the rate of inflation. But also the way students have been getting loans now for, I think, about three decades, uh, private banks have entered into this, um, we often call it a market, and uh, a lot of these student loans are held by private banks, and so we've got the profit motive there. It's not uh, government still provides some educational assistance to students, and I don't know the percentages, caller, but uh, a significant percentage is private bank loans um, where uh, some of those rates, um, how they're regulated, uh, I'm not certain, but there are some pretty high interest rates there. And, I, uh, uh, again, the first two years of the Obama administration, these kinds of issues were attempted to be addressed. All right, got to take a quick break. We'll be back to wrap up with Keith Knudsen after this.
0: All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. we are going to wrap up five minutes to go if you want to get in here. 608 785 Shoot me a text. Uh, we're going to get to some of these texts, Keith. Uh, libertarian guy texts in. So a couple of different subjects here. We hit one or the other. Um, and I'm going to try to decipher his talk to text because he's driving home. Uh, if someone forces people to take opioids, it seems like we've lost the fact that you can only control your own behavior, not the behavior of others. Um, so I guess he's... Is he saying? I guess he's saying that it's up up to yourself to take or not take opioids. Well, that well, that I, one I, seems I, like off topic. His other text says, uh, uh, "Where's the belief in personal responsibility? Did somebody force students to go into debt?" So I guess you know, like I'm going to go to college. It's going to cost me twenty five thousand a year to go to Viterbo. Maybe Viterbo's a private school. I'm just going to do it because that's I mean, like did somebody sure. force them?
1: Well, I don't think people can be forced to go to school. Um, This is a social promise. And, uh, boy, I really appreciate all these messages from Libertarian Guy because he does um, make me think and hopefully our listening audience. Look, this is part of the social promise that, um, and we know from the outcomes, people who graduate from a college university, their lifetime income earning uh, will be uh, twice as much as any high school classmates who uh, generally don't go to university. Now, look, there are lots of exceptions, but this is the big-picture data. So uh, I would say to a libertarian guy that we've got this social promise to young people, go to, into higher education. Um, if you have to go into debt, okay, do it, because uh, you should get a, um, a return on this... I'm going to call it an investment. Investing Um, in yourself, right? uh, The
0: best person you can invest in. But, of
1: course, uh, sociologists have tracked uh, people who graduate from high school in the Great Depression, uh, college out of the Great Recession. And some people hit a bad patch, and they can't control that. That is, if uh, a student graduated in 2008, that person's lifelong income earning is going to be diminished simply because the person graduated in 2008. There was a Great Recession almost 10%. Unemployment; these are the kinds of issues. Uh, I know for Libertarian guy, uh, it's a, a, a problematic for him to think about government addressing these collective issues. But there are so many things in our lives that, if even when we take on what uh, even Libertarian guy might uh, recognize as a, a personal responsibility, there are social circumstances which people cannot control, and. Uh, Uh, Those social circumstances then might lead us back to his first question. What about the opioid issue? Of course, many people suffering physical pain. Um, and uh, we now know uh, state's attorney generals are suing pharmaceutical companies and we're now learning how much uh, the their opioids, and I don't think the opioids come from poppies in Afghanistan I think this is pharmaceutically produced um, and of course a lot of it now coming from China And with the uh, coronavirus, uh, maybe some of these pharmaceuticals are going to be um, in less supply for us but that's another issue um, the people in pain being subscribed to opioids that are addictive Pharmaceutical companies have made a lot of money off of that, and now our state's attorney generals are trying to uh, claw back some of that money for all the social ills that states have had to cover. These are, uh, uh, Libertarian guy, if you're out there listening, I love you, brother, Um, and uh, uh, I really appreciate uh, 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 your position and your insights, but there are social collective problems that individuals get overwhelmed by and so we've gotten to the point in our development that uh, uh, to live in a, a, a peaceable and prosperous society, we're going to address these collective social ills. Fred Texan, why
0: do liberals and leftists push for government social programs? Why not push for competitive job markets and rising wages so people can afford stuff like daycare, healthcare, and college?
1: We now do have some rising uh, wages uh, uh, on the low end of our socioeconomic scale. One important contributing factor to that, increasing the minimum wage to $15 an hour in certain areas. And we know that the uh, uh, wages are going up in in those areas. So that, uh, uh, you know, my view is, hey, this is the 21st century. And government is going to be engaged in um, addressing these issues, these problems. Bill says, "Don't generalize." Well, this is a very generalized discussion today, Bill. Bring in a specific, and we'll get try to. I'll try to get specific with you. Uh, another guy texts
0: in. The quality you have 20 seconds here. The quality of education has gone down. Are you
1: part of the answer or part of the problem, Keith? Um, uh, uh, To this uh, texture, I would say I am in the system, and if there are problems, I am part of the problems, but I'm trying to look for solutions, and here's where the personal responsibility comes in. I hope I'm doing a decent job, a good job, and that, uh, uh, indeed, I can become part of a solution to problems that are available to us.
0: All right, that's all the time we got. Thanks, Keith. Thank you, Rick.